Hello and welcome to episode 213 of Three Beers and Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with Colin McKay. Colin, it is lovely to see your little face again. Yay, again. I know that's been ages now, hasn't it? This is, but I'm, I'm comfortable now, do you know what I mean? I'm kind of in a nice place, but it's back and forth. It's, it's not quite, I can't touch you physically, but I feel no, that... And even if you could, I would ask you not to. Asking and stopping me is too different. Yeah, yeah, too different. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but um, I, I feel like the, the kind of virtual barrier isn't such a barrier anymore. Yes. Um, so so it's, it's nice to, to actually see you and, and get the reactions, you know, uh, the the eye rolls when I say something stupid and stuff like that. I enjoy that. It's, it's, it's nice. You are embracing this new normal, is what I'm calling it, which is a horrible phrase. I don't like yeah, it, but embracing yeah. it. I like to think of it as the worst IT person in the world has been forced to become an IT person. person yes. <laughs> I have to embrace technology. When, it, no. when 18 months into a, a pandemic, I have to explain to you what Zoom was. That tells me you have no clue what IT about. Uh, and just just to parry that and give you a touche, my friend, uh, let's tell the listeners about um, what, what happened when I phoned you, Richard. You phoned you me, which fucking, no one does. That's you, a creepy, you, you creepy a thing melding. you do. You don't phone people. So, you text them, uh, Colin. That's, so, you're, you're showing no, your age by phoning somebody. Let, let, let me set the scene for, for, for listeners out there. Um, so we were texting back and forward um, about podcasts and what we've seen and what we'll speak about and stuff like that. And I decided it would be really nice just to phone Richard and say hello um, I phoned Richard and his phone rang out. Um, two minutes later, Richard phones and there's panic. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, I'm just phoning you to it's, chat. It's weird. Um, it's weird. Don't do it. <laughs> I like to think it was a bit like the Eagles when they play a gig. We don't actually talk until we do this. You know, it's like we just we meet, we meet on stage, Colin. That's all I'm looking for. I don't have any contact with you outside of the podcast. I was, so, I was just so what the hell? There was yeah. some reaction. It was, it was like genuine concern in your voice. What's wrong? Like, the only people who call me is when someone dies, essentially. So <laughs> that's the only calls I've got in the past like six months is someone telling me somebody has died. I'm like, oh, sorry. Your first thing you said was, did you butt dial me? I guess I assumed no, it was. I didn't was dial you. Someone has died you. or something, or your butt dial me. And I can't think who would die in Collins world who'd have to tell me about it that I wouldn't find out some other way. That's what I'm trying to think, to be honest. Did you enjoy the chat we had? It was nice. It was a very exactly. nice, very nice yeah, chat. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's different, man. It's like, yeah, let, let, let's chat. Let's not fucking text and do thumbs. Let, let's let's vocalise. Yeah, it's it, nice. was, it was very odd. It was, I, I didn't actually know how to use my phone, to be honest. I had to figure it's, out how to like, put it to my ear. It's very strange that phone calls are becoming obsolete almost. That's bizarre, like, yeah. man. If I phone somebody, I phone my gran occasionally just to let her, because I usually ask if she wants some messages, and she's the only person I talk to that I actually want to pick up. Anyone else who I'm forced to phone, I'm actually secretly hoping they don't pick up. <laughs> I can just go message saying, oh, tried to phone you, but you weren't in. What's up? You know, that's that's what I'm looking You know, here's what's happening. It's, it's, it's a very odd situation if someone actually wants to phone me. It's, it's, it's oh, quite dear. unusual. Um, well, well, it's it's this is just a phone call, essentially, what we're doing right now. Just saying, oh, I can see yeah. you. It's essentially it's a phone call. Yeah, a video phone call. Yeah. Video phone call, yeah. On, on a computer. Yeah, it's basically, yeah, phones, uh, computers are replaced. Well, it is, yeah, it's yeah. Star Trek. I mean, it's, this is like Captain Kirk would be like, ooh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but um, no, I just thought it was nice to phone you, and I did. So, so touche, sir, to you. I've, there you go. I whatever talk for you. Very good. Um, so it's a, it a weirdly warm, sweaty night in the west of Scotland. Um, it's very, September. very, very Yeah, 28 degrees, I believe. was. It's, just, um, it's insane. We don't even get that at the height of summer, never mind. No. You know, it's heading into heading into autumn. Um, the, the, the body's not built for it. Because of that, are you drinking anything to try and, you know, cool yourself down? Ah, I'm drinking yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, um, t- tonight, mm-hmm. sir, uh, I'll, I'll do a camera reveal for you. I'm drinking 
Oh, Trooper. Very nice. Trooper from Iron Maiden, um, which is topical, and we'll see why later on, folks. Yes. Uh Um, Um, So, yeah, I've had this before. Um, The first thing I ever tried, Trooper, was when you bought me for my Christmas um, a bottle of Trooper and a pint glass. Yes, I remember. I've got a pint glass, yeah, so that that was my first time trying it. And it's actually a nice beer. Um, I'm pretty sure Bruce Dixon doesn't brew it by hand. No, but I think from what I remember reading about him, he has sort of... Like the way Bruce Dickinson is, from what I've read, he's, he gets quite involved in a lot of things. Like, you remember mm. at one point he was a pilot, then he was like an Olympic yeah. fence and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think yeah. he got into brewing. So, when it's he has some sort of involvement in it, yeah. like he's sort of invested in it, he's not just it's not just a label they're slapping on it, like the Metallica one. I think he's a label they slapped on the Metallica one. It, it does make you feel almost like you're in some kind of wee special club. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of weird, but you're drinking, you're like, yeah, yeah, me and I are made and drink, you know, yeah. you're drinking trooper. So, it does kind of give you a kind of inclusiveness that it's probably wanky i think they also do serve it in um solid rock and it's, yeah yeah of course they will that'd be the, the, the perfect place for it um solid rock for trooper but it it, it tastes nice so it's it's got it's quite quite a light kind of yeah. almost lager but without the the the, the fizz of lager so it's, it's a nice beer and that's uh, a nice yeah, choice that's a nice yeah, choice and again this is all oh, thanks to you sir all those years ago thinking Colin would like that. Colin would like that, yes. Yeah, and what are you drinking? I have got one from Chicago, and it is called Cosmo Pale Ale from the brewery called Noon Whistle. Um, I don't like that, name. That's a cool one. It's, it's um, very fruity, like really kind of quite fruity, um, but nice. Like on a night like tonight, it's kind of what you require. Something light and refreshing and citrusy, yeah. Um, very much was so. The one last week, was that a Chicago brewer as well? Yes, I got my... my Box of wanky beers is a Chicago-based one this month. So. Ah, right, right. So it's like kind of. I'm getting visions of prohibition and, and fedora hats and, and gangsters and shit now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nice. Um, <laughs> what you think one would call itself like the Elliot Ness or something? You know, something along those lines. Yeah, or something? something like that. Yeah, something like that. Or the yeah. Untouchables. Yeah, even the Untouchables. Yeah, yes. they, 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 although that, that's kind of you know, who's going to drink a beer called Untouchable? You know? yeah. But the Elliot uh, Ness, you might drink. Um, yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Chicago beer has it does taste very American. And it's weird. American beer does. I quite like American beer apart from like the Budweiser and the Miller. And like American craft beer I do quite like. And this does kind of fall into that. To call it generic would be would be, would be cruel, but it has that sort of very American taste, I would say. Yeah. What's what intrigues me is um as frequently mentioned on the podcast, is mainly in watch, you know, Golden Girls and Cheers and stuff like that. Um a few times I've been watching Cheers and I noticed that, that they always serve up these pints, but it looks like a baby pint, but it's a pint, it's, it's, you know, it's a, 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 a big mug, you know what I mean, with a handle and stuff, but it's really, really small. It's like a steamer size almost? It, almost, or maybe smaller, but it is again, but it's like a proper pint, do you know what I mean, like kind of big handle and, you know, round and shit like that. But then they, they always kind of serve it and, it, and it's like, it's half, Half beer and half head as well, you know. It's Maybe the half like, head thing's more for like the TV thing, sort po- of. Like that's probably what it's more about. But yeah, it's like a very, very small, it almost looks like, you know, like maybe slightly more than a half pint, maybe less than a skin. I don't know. I've just, I always find, is that a thing in America? I don't, I don't know. Is Because is, I know the pints are different. You know, a pint over here is different in, in America, isn't it? The, the well, they're not different. A pint's, still, a pint's still a pint, but they don't serve it as much, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, but right. I was, all the bars I went to in America, um, it was pints, and that's what it served. But they did sort of push the half pint more than they do here, if that makes sense. Mm, you know, they sort of like yeah. there was more of a kind of like more of a because over here you can only like get half pints for something really strong. They sort of encourage it, yeah. but 
Yeah. In there, you could walk in, you could if you wanted to get a half pint of tenants. I can't imagine anyone in Britain going for a half pint of tenants. Uh, yeah, yeah, it used to, used to be, you know, like the kind of ladies drink, um, you know, kind of 15, 20 years ago, a lady couldn't be seen to drink in a pint. It was unseemly. Um, right, okay. So they would have a half pint. I mean, have you ever seen a, a kind of woman drinking a pint? You know, it was like, why is she drinking a pint? And it was pretty much Scotland. So it was, um, yeah. so it's quite a recent kind of you know, female movement that they can actually fucking have a pint now and write a song without, <laughs> without being scorned for having a yeah. pint. You know, it's utterly bizarre. Um, but but yeah, that, that's it's a, it's a weird one. Plus as well, America's in in Scotland. There's um, so when you go to the pub, you, you know, just drink as as much as you can. You know, and the kind of six hours or hours in America, it's more like a pint or two, isn't it? After work, and then you go home again. So it's not. That. It does seem like that. It does seem like. The, the the drinking culture um sort of is only for the young like when people get out of like being young and just it sort of seems more like you'll go to a friend's house and have some drinks while watching sport the idea of just going out to a bar and getting absolutely leathered on a friday night for no reason isn't really there you know where we have yeah. it like you have to have some almost an event to go out for be it like a sports match or you know like a leave and do or something you don't really t- from what i saw like i felt like that's the sort of mentality of it whereas yeah. over here you will just sort of randomly see folk like why are you going out because it's friday that's why i'm going yeah. out. I, I, it's the weekend bender for, for no good reason and then it's the weekend and it's it's, it's on a bender but then then the americans have got they're, they're more you know kind of finish work go home open the fridge have a couple of cans of beer do you know what i mean that's like almost a daily thing for them isn't Aye, it but exactly yes. a can of beer after work and stuff like that. so i guess it's just Cultural, cultural differences. Maybe that's why they've got a smaller, a smaller pint. Maybe small pint, possibly. Maybe. Anyway, I, should... I think I've answered one question. Here you have, yes, but I didn't say anything. Yes, you don't question. <laughs> um, we'll get onto what this podcast is supposed to be more about, which is movie watching or <laughs> things we've seen. Um, what we watched at home of interest, apart from the thing we're going to discuss in detail in a minute. What we watched at home um, um, of note. Not not much this week. Um, just just be working and stuff for like that, and we've not had a lot of time between chatting and kind of Friday now. Um, I'm still watching only murders in the building, so we're on to, to episode three of that, which yes. we watched last night. Um, and yeah, it's holding up. It's moving along nicely. It's still interesting, still intriguing, still charming as hell with, with Steve Martin and Martin Short. Um, Selena Gomez continues to to, to impress. Um, always. And there was, was a very, very, very strange cameo that that um, was like, is that? It is. It's him. And it's because you need to watch it. I can't spoil it. No, don't worry. Don't worry. Good cameo. But, but it's utterly like, wow. Um, good on you. You know, because I've always kind of thought it was quite kind of serious and stuff like that. And you know, he kind of pokes a wee jab at himself. And I'm like, wow. Good on you. So nice. yeah, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying that a lot. It's a really good show. But, uh, but you are one of three people who've now recommended this show to me, so I will have it on. It is on my list now to watch. Who else has recommended it? Uh, Barry recommended it, and um, somebody else at work recommended it as well. So you are now bound to watch it. So exactly, yeah. 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 Recommendations. Um, I've not really watched anything at home. Ted Lasso is the only thing I'm still watching, and I'm enjoying that immensely. It's it's very funny, very sweet. It's what we need in this hard, hard, spiteful world. Um, (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Um, but because of that, we just move on to the movies then that we've been watching. Yeah, so yeah. first thing we'll start with is one that's on Netflix. Um, I think it came out quite, I didn't really get released too much fanfare, but it's a film called, a documentary called Count Me In, um, directed by Mark Lowe. It's his debut feature. Um, and the plot of the documentary, essentially, is the history of drumming. It's sort of like the history of rock drumming and sort of where it's all came from and, and what it is now. And basically also 
who does it and kind of why they do it. And that's kind of the basis of yeah, it. Yeah, I, I would say it's more, it is more an expose of, you know, why you drum, here's why I drum, and it's about the passion of drumming more than the history of drumming. It does, yeah, it kind of, you know, delves in and out, like kind of, you know, jazz moving on to rock and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, there, there, there's passion in there. Um, yeah. Like, like no one's business, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so and if you've got like a, quite a, an array of um, drummers um, in it mm-hmm. um, who are talking about their craft, you've got like Stuart Copeland from The Police, um, who I never liked the police. My uncle, who was a major drummer, he told me Stuart Copeland's one of the best. So I was quite intrigued to see him. Oh, um, yeah. Taylor Hawkins pops up in it. Chad Smith, Roger Taylor, Ben Thatcher from Royal Blood. Um, the Iron Maiden drummer pops up in it as well, doesn't he? Nick, he Nick, in as well? Nick, Nico McBrain, hence the Trooper beer. Yay. Is he the only one they've had? They, they've, they've had a few drummers, haven't they? Iron Maiden. They have had, but yeah, because they started out back then, they had like, different singles and stuff as well. Paul yeah. And all stuff like that. So it's not always been, I think Steve Harris is the, the, the one guy. The only true member. Yeah, I so yeah, yeah, yeah. Dickinson left at one point, and then they brought him back, didn't they? At one point, yeah, right? he yeah. left. I think well, it was Paul Diano, then Dickinson, and then Blaze Some, Bailey, then Dickinson again, again. I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, have a, a, a I rolling know cast. I mean, I probably should maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. A, a rolling <laughs> cast of um, uh, characters. So yeah, basically, he's got the best of the best in it, uh, pretty much. Mm. Soundgarden guys in it as well, isn't he? Um, uh, no, no, he's not in it. He's he's not in this. Um, he's got the girl that plays for Lenny Kravitz. She's in yes. it. She, she, she's a. And she plays Santana as well. Um, yeah, and there was a couple of um, kind of you know girl drummers that I hadn't. I had. I didn't know the band. So the one who drums for Hole, um, who also drums oh, for Molly yeah. Crew. I can't remember her name now. But she yeah, was in it as well. That, that was that was quite good. I thought it was very strange. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking. Drumming for like possibly the most sleaziest, sexist, misogynistic guys in rock was, was yeah. a good choice. But she, yeah, she, 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 she was fucking delighted though. So, Aye. you know, she, she fulfilled her dream so good on her, man, yeah. all the way. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Basically, I'll, I'll probably say what we're, you know, I think we're both roughly the same. Like we're, both, we're both big kind of rock fans. We both enjoy the rock and the metal and um, punk as well. Um, this is enjoyable. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, as much as I, I know what drumming is, I know what it does. It keeps the beat. It keeps the, the, the rhythm going, obviously. There is, you do almost, there is a joke, you know, how can you tell a drummer's stills level? It's like there's drill coming out of both sides of his yeah. mouth. So his idea of, like, you know, is, you know, it, it mm-hmm. takes a joke that the drummer's are more, like, the least talented person in the band. He's just there to bang around, you know. There was a yeah. joke about Ringo Starr. It's like, um, is Ringo Starr the best drummer in England? Remember, like, Ringo Starr's not even the best what, drummer on the Beatles. Don't you know, the Beatles, anyone yeah. doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, as a, a, not in a conceited way, but as a musician, um, I probably get it more being a drummer. I've, I've kind of played drums. My, my dad was like a kind of pipe band drummer, um, right. a kit drummer. Uh, my stepbrother, again, is you know a fantastic kit drummer and he's done a lot of kind of pipe band stuff as well. Um, so I've been fortunate enough in my life to have you know to, to have drum kits around about me. So I've been able to kind of play drums and stuff like that and have a bash, and right. it's fucking hard. It's I mean, it looks... what I'm trying to say it's not. It's not just timekeeping, you know. There's that element, but no, there's um, drumming. Drumming's not not fucking easy, you know. No, you definitely I mean, looks... an attitude for it. It looks strenuous as fuck as well. I mean, the guy, some of the oh. guys, look absolutely just destroyed by it. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. come out of energy after they put into it. So to be able to do it when you're like sort of in your 60s and 70s like some of these guys are like holy shit like my god it's like it's a lot of effort to put into it yeah. um but um so I, I enjoyed you know bringing it like the guys who are in it sort of bring a bit more sort of character to them I, I, I quite enjoy i don't know as much about the history of it but i quite enjoyed like you know them talking about the idea like it's weird how most of them all had the same story which i thought was really odd 
which was like they like to bang pots and pans. Yeah. And mum and dad basically went right. Fuck, we're getting your drum kit, and I'm fed up. You banging the shit out of my pots and pans. And then, then boom, it just the magic happened. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. it's weird how yeah. they all kind of pretty much it all no matter because like there's male in it, there's female in it. There's like mm. sort of there's African American drummers in it. There's sort of like all different cultures and creeds in it. That they all had this same idea of like I used to yeah. just pitch stuff a lot. That um, same spark and every one of them. Yeah, and what I enjoyed is. It's the passion when they're talking about it. The passion just, you know, yeah. it just it jumps out at you. They're, 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 you know, they're just so devoted to their craft and yeah. they're so passionate about it. That's, and... that's my thought as well, because like I'm sure guys like Roger Taylor and um, the, who's a Pink Floyd drummer? You'd know better than me. Oh, I don't know. They've had a few drummers. The one who's on it. There's one of them, one of the, there's a Floyd drummer on it. I'm sure they've talked at length about their music for a, like a thousand times and probably fed up interviews, but they even they seem to be genuinely sort of engaged and mm-hmm. wanting to talk about it, like because it was actually focused on something about, you know, sort of Pacific to them rather than just you're part of this band. It's like what you actually bring to this band. Yeah. It's not trying to like sort of say, you know, it's not focusing on like the lead singer or the lead guitarist who always gets the focus. It's actually like, what is your important job? What do you bring to this? And yeah. not only that, it seems like a real kind of camaraderie between like sort of that craft. Like they all appreciate oh, what they yeah. all do, even if they're not yeah. in the same kind of band. Because one of the bands burned me, because I've seen them on it. They sounded cool. And I've got their album and I put it on my Spotify and I was listening going, nope, don't like them. But they were talked about in a nice way. So it was like, oh, right, okay. Um, There's a camaraderie, definitely. Uh-huh. Like, even course. if you're... If you're drumming a pop rock band, you're drumming a metal band, they all kind of seem, or a punk band, you seem, they all seem to appreciate where it all comes from. Um, yeah, the drummers, yeah. I think one of the, like, there's some big ones, like, I'm surprised, like, Phil Collins wasn't on it, and he's obviously probably one of the most famous drummers, but he sort of maybe went to beyond that now, possibly. Possibly, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I think I'd mentioned to you off, off uh, Mike, before that there's a documentary in Sky Arts called mm. The History of Drumming. Yep. Um. Oh, sorry, the art of drumming, and that's a four-part document. So it's right. four forty-five-minute kind of segments, and the first one explores more the you know the roots of drumming. You know, kind of going way back to like kind of jazz and African influence, and yeah. it kind of moves on to, to rock drumming. Then it moves on to to you know like kind of different styles, and then it moves mm-hmm. on to like the drummers, best drummers, kind of top mm-hmm. ten of drummers, drummers and stuff like that. Um. It goes a lot. I mean, if you enjoyed that, this goes a lot, lot more into it. And uh-huh. th- there's, there is a lot of drummers on on that documentary that were in like Chad Smith and stuff like that were in that as well. Um, but that's that's a really good watch as well. And again, you just what you get most of all is just that passion that, that they yeah, all yeah. Carry, carry with them. Um, a big regret of mine is um, I've got I've got an anecdote about this almost oh, um, nice. is years and in, in, in years and years ago. Um, when I was in one of my, my, my field ventures uh, with a band with, with Andy and, you know, my, my friend Fiaran and stuff like that, is we'd all managed to get tickets to go and see Nico McBrain doing a drum workshop um, in the Arches. All right, um, okay. And I was so excited because, as you've seen last night, just for his few wee bits on that, the man mm. can tell a story. You know, yes. I think he, he's really well known for his He's, what I like, he's, he's the one who starts telling the story and he's just going to go, what the fuck we're we talking about? Talking. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you seem to get lost as he's talking. He's trying yeah. to get you back, and he's like, you've, you've <laughs> lost yourself. <laughs> but I think he's really well known for that. You yeah. know, he just loves telling stories, and he's got a million of them, and he yeah. chats away. And we were meant to go and see him, and I catch something happened. I think it would be like a house fire or something. But we, we ultimately didn't get to go. And that, that was that was a really big regret because I would have loved to have seen him just, you know. 
I've been to like a kind of similar thing with, with a guitarist, Paul Gilbert, and it's like a workshop. And they basically, you know, they'll play a bit and they'll tell you the history. You know, I've, I've done this to learn this, and here's mm. where I got ideas. And you know, it's kind of you know, it's wanky. It's them, you know, kind of showing off. And it's like it's like, going it. any, it's, it's like going to a writer's workshop and a track theory yeah, with inspiration yeah. and where they in their yeah. process to try and help. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but um, I, I was I was quite quite sad that I never I never got to see it, and I'll probably never get the chance again. But I, I, I think it'd have been a great night just listening to mm. from my brain, you know, ranting on and on, and playing drums, and yeah, smashing that big giant kit as well. Yeah, but back to the documentary. Um, I enjoyed it. It's quite a quick runtime. Was about eighty minutes long. It doesn't really linger yeah. around. It sort of battles through everything. Doesn't really. So it's kind of split into like maybe five or six chapters. It's all exposed yeah. to different areas, but it's it's pretty brief and it's pretty, and they're all pretty you know concise and, and yeah. Each one has a nice focus on it. I really enjoyed the jazz stuff. I see some of the jazz drummers like holy shit, they're like kind of nuts. The same as some of the really the guys from like the fifties who were running in the rockabilly bands and stuff like that. You sort of like they all look like your dad essentially. Don't that, all... That's they, they they play with finesse, man. Those uh-huh. like buddy buddy rich and stuff like that. There's a real finesse about those guys that, that you know they they're like the benchmark for for. Pretty much every drummer. Do you know what I mean? Buddy Rich is sort of the one they're trying to copy in Whiplash, wasn't it? That's the one they're trying to like, uh, yeah, 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 that kind of style, that you know, like kind of snare working, you know, like kind of ghost notes and stuff like that, flams, trills, that kind of stuff. Uh, um, yeah, there's, there's a real kind of you know, real, real magic to that. It's, and it's, it's poised, it's the difference between like you know, you know, paint with spray paint and paint like with a fine, you know, fine, yeah, you know, fine brush. It's sort of like yeah. you're both doing the same thing, but one is doing it with a bit more brashness. Um yeah. I would say Ginger, want... Ginger Baker was good. I like that. And George yes. Ginger Baker, he's always brilliant. He only he died not not so long ago, which was a shame. But um, mm. he's a wonderful drummer. And um, what's he called from the Who as well? He he's phenomenal. Oh Moon, he's, yeah. Keith Moon, Moon is like some. But it's, it's weird how they both appreciate each other because Moon's like his style is like Ginger Baker's quite at times quite reserved and quite sort of like just tappy tappy tappy. And then you yeah. watch Moon, who's like just sort of like an octopus. He's just a whirlwind like, energy, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But he's having, but again, it's that it's you just see that they're just so into their craft. You know, I mean? you yeah, just yeah. see that they're just zoned in, and when they're playing, you can just see they, they, you know, they're in this wee box all of their own, just you know, doing doing their thing, man. Doing uh-huh. well, yeah. Um, I would say it's maybe not one for like sort of true aficionados because it doesn't feel like you're gonna get a lot of new information from it. It does seem all the stuff you've probably seen. So it's like it's not you're not going to find a lot of new stuff in it, but it is it's for myself who's a bit of a beginner, not knowing the craft as well as yourself. I really enjoyed it. Even Jill, who was watching it with me, she really enjoyed it. She said she really enjoyed you know seeing what these guys doing, and you know because like I said, I was going to see a lot of punk bands, and I was listening to punk bands drummer. I just sort of keep it fast, keep it moving, and don't fucking stop until which is essentially what the guy from the Clash says at one point: just don't yeah. fucking stop till they stop. Yeah, um, keep keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you find that I think. If someone does have that passion, like like you do it to me sometimes to an extent, is when someone's so passionate about something and they're talking about it, it yes, it's infectious. You know, you do it with movies, you'll be like, listen, this, and I've seen this movie, and I've seen that one, and it, it infects. Do you know what I mean? Yes. If the passion's there, then you know it, it, it does, man. It, it, it really, you know, it gets infectious. Um, Seeing someone it, do something well up. and enjoy doing something well, it can, yeah. it's enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and like yeah. I said, hear them, hear them talk about it. Like you said, it's passion. It doesn't matter if you're passionate about drumming or passionate about football, passionate about hockey, passionate about movies, reading, whatever it is. If you're passionate about it, that can come across. And yeah. that's why I like, I like watching a documentary about something I don't really know that much because I feel like you, you get so much from it. Like I remember watching one about um, Quidditch, like, you know, the, the Harry Potter game and the people who play it professionally, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Utterly stupid. Like, I don't really get it, but see the way the people talk about it? I, I was like, I'm invested in this. Like, I want you to do well because I'm like, I'm now with you on this, you know. There, um, was, because um, it seems... 
one time I was taking the kids through Kelvin Grove Park and we were walking past the football pitch and then I double took and it was uh, two kind of college teams where we were playing Quidditch and I was like, what the fuck is... The, the, I had to stop and just uh-huh. stare for five minutes. Minute, yeah. like, this is bizarre. This is nuts. Yeah. Uh, they, they were all hard away last time. You know, yeah. They were oblivious to the outside world. They were, you know, they were wizards in, in their wee world. And, I was like, pass- hey, and again, the passion comes through for it and people who are really yeah. into something. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I really enjoyed this. Like I said, it's, it's a nice wee quick watch, 80 minutes long. If you're into music sort of rock bands you'll probably get a lot from it just to sort of enjoy seeing these guys do their thing and just mm-hmm. really talk about where they come from and what makes them want to do their thing I would yeah. give it a very solid 7 out of 10 oh 7 out of 10 easily as well um, I, I would urge you to watch The Art of Drumming next I will I would, I'd find that. again it, it, there is Chad Smith's in it there's a few crossover drummers in it mm. um, but it just gives you a bit more nuance yeah. and detail about the history of drumming and some of it's more kind of hands-on, you know, the wall kind of gives you wee shots of what they're doing. You see them really getting into yeah. their craft as well. And um, there's a yeah. few bits in that of drumming that just blew me away. I was like, wow, these guys are artists. You know, well, it's not, there's, no, beyond there's no bad thing about having the same people on it because clearly they're on it for a reason because they yeah. are very good at what they do. You don't you don't front, you don't become the guy who keeps the beat on Queen if you're shit at drumming, do you? You know, you, you've yeah. got to have a, you know, or for Floyd or for Red Hot Chili Peppers or for yeah. a ton of bands. I mean, Foo Fighters are phenomenal. Drumming, you know, a phenomenal live act. If you can be the drummer for them for the last like sort of like 15, 20 years, you must be doing something right. I always felt kind of sorry for Taylor having to because how terrifying must that have been for him? Do you know what I mean? Being the drummer for Dave, Dave Grohl. Grohl's yeah. fucking band. Do you know what I mean? And Dave Grohl's like, he, you know, he, he's a damn fine drummer. He's, he's, I mean, he was, he was he's, he's for, top 10. You know, he's. I mean, well, he was picked out by, he was gonna, if he wasn't, if he didn't start through fights, he was going to go and be strong for Tom Petty. Yeah, just get imagine being his drummer, Jimmy. That's a scary thing, you know. What I mean? That's fucking hell. That's that being said, you see the little, you see the eleven-year-old girl drumming for him on stage. I did see that. Yeah, he was really good. <laughs> like, yeah, he was really good. Yeah, seen a similar one as well a few weeks ago. Um, it just happened across it on Instagram. Um, uh, it was Green Day. It was, and the kind of talk to the audience and he said who knows three chords and it was like a wee kind of 10 year old kid put his hand up and they got him up on stage and gave him the guitar and he was, he was Green Day was used to do that all the so time sweet. That, so, that, so was, sweet, that was one of Green Day's like party pieces what they do is they bring like three people up on stage and, and they do a song like because their songs were so simplistic it literally was like just like tap 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 and dum yeah. dum 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 and that's all it was so they could they could get away with putting any three random people who could at least hold a guitar and keep a beat yeah. Could play a Green Day song, you know. Oh, it was, it um, was brilliant. It was nice to watch. I mean, just, yeah. to me, kid is obviously, you know, that is probably the highlight of his life. So oh, I definitely, mean, it's yeah. Just absolutely beautiful moment. I love it when bands do stuff like that. I think it's really, really nice. It's it's special. Foo Fighters are like a band who I, I enjoy Foo Fighters live, and I think they're really a really great band. I really, I really enjoy Dave Grohl as a person. He's a really, really genuinely good guy. Mm. The mm-hmm. Foo have done like two things that make me cry every time I watch them. One is that we get old drumming for them, which I think is fucking phenomenal. Another one is they're not involved in it directly, but they were sort of partly involved. When it's like it's like a thing in Italy, where it's like they had a hundred drummers, a hundred bass guitarists, a hundred guitarists, yeah. hundred singers. I cannot watch that without uh-huh. absolutely cut, crying my eyes out. It's uh-huh. just phenomenal. Is it the best of Europe play? Isn't it? I think. Yes. Yeah. I think, I've no, seen, no. I've... It's uh, learn to fly. Oh yeah, I've seen that. It is. It's, 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 it stirs the heartstrings when you watch it and you do your little. Wow, you know yeah. I mean? the emotion is there. I've seen that, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I, I cannot watch that without crying my eyes out. Like every time I see it, I literally <laughs> just start blubbering like a big baby. It's, it's, it's one of the few things that, like, just every time I, they might watch it today, then watch it like a, like five minutes later, I will cry watching it. 
Um, it's, it's, it's one of those generally very touching things that I really like. Anyway, so seven out of ten for counting in um, before we start using around drummers again and again. Um, next one up, I'll talk about this one very quickly because you've not seen it, and it's called The Vault. It's available on Amazon Prime, uh, directed by Juan Balaguerro, who directed Wreck and Wreck 2. I don't know if you remember seeing those sort of oh. Spanish horror films, yeah? Uh, did he do the Spanish ones or the American remakes? What was it? What were the remakes called? Were they called Wreck or were they called uh, Quarantine? Quarantine, maybe. I don't think they were called Wreck. They were called something else. So he done the actual Wreck. I'm going by the name. Oh, he's, he's talented. Oh, right, he's talented. Yeah. Okay. Like, um, yeah. This one is it's a very, it's a it's not a horror film. This one it's, it's more of a it's a heist movie with um, a bunch of salvagers who rescue something from the ocean floor, and they become it then becomes then basically the Spanish Crown take it. It's in their waters, even though they've not been looking for it. But the fact that it's in their waters. The Spanish Crown take it, and um, they want it. The, the people who salvage it have been looking for this for the last twenty years. They want it back. So in order to get it back, they have to infiltrate um, Spain's national bank vault um, in Madrid. I think it's Madrid, possibly Barcelona, major major, major Spanish city, um, and it's one of the most impenetrable banks on the planet. And they have to try and get in there and get out without the people knowing about it. Obviously, um, say it against the backdrop of Spain in the World Cup final, which made me think. They use that films use this a lot now when it talks about Europe. They use like sort of the backdrop of a football match to indicate that people in that mm. city will not be looking anywhere else other than that a football match, you know. So like it's idea yeah. like this is a perfect cover for anything. Yeah, which is not entirely not entirely true, but yeah. <laughs> um, they use that as it is a thing. So in the film you've got um Freddie Highmore, he plays sort of like the guy they bring in who's sort of like the genius who can figure out any problem. Sam Riley plays like an ex MI5 operative who is was involved in the salvage and he wants to get it back and um, he may have nefarious wants to bring it back you have liam cunningham who's a guy you've been looking at for the last 30 years and he's the one who really wants to get this thing back and um, you've also got fab jansen pops up in it for a very brief double cameo essentially and astrid Burgess frisbee which is a great name and um, she That's plays an awesome name, name yeah and yeah. yeah. um, she plays sort of like another member of the team who's um who's looking to get this treasure back so um, the only the only name there that, that kind of means much to me thank you yeah but the, the kind of only name that, that i would imagine that i know really is liam cunningham who i imagine probably steals this movie but let, let's see what you've got to say yeah i mean like i said it's a fun film if formulaic, you know, you can pretty much see where it's going. You know, you think they've got it all figured out and, oh my God, a problem just occurs. Oh my God, will they get figured out at the last minute? And that puts a bit of tension. So everything is very much by the books when it comes to a heist movie. So nothing wrong with that. When you do it well, I'm, I'm all for that. It is sizably limited by its budget, which does at times show up. Um, there's a scene where supposedly like sort of zip wiring from a building to another building. Um, and if you've watched Fast 9, I think it was recently, you know, you see John Cena Zip line Zip lining for, for an hour. Yes, <laughs> for an hour. And they've got the budget to do that. And this one, yeah. essentially, see a guy, he steps off a building, and then the next shot is him landing on a building. You know, they don't actually have the budget to actually show him, you know, zip lining across. So, like, oh, so, uh, anyway. That's kind of cute, man. It's kind of like, cute. Yeah. So there are a few other times when it's not, the, the, the budget limitations are there to be seen. Um, but generally, it's fun. The cast are all having fun. Highmore is in that TV show, The Good Doctor, where he plays just a really smart guy who knows everything and he's quite charming about it, as opposed to being like House, who's a dick about it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So he's got so he's, he plays like and he looks so baby faced. You're like, oh, it just feels weird having this little kid know everything, but he's fine. Um it does feel quite grounded for the first, like, say, I think it's about a two-hour film. The first hour and a half, you're going, this is out there as it is, you know, the idea about like the heist, you know, a bit kind of like, you know. It's obviously a film. It mm. feels like it, it could be possible. 
the last half hour they gets a bit more kind of like, come on, you know, you but can't do that, yeah, can't yet. Yeah, <laughs> not as bad as the film we talked about last week, Sweet Girl, but it's um, definitely, definitely sort of like, uh, you're, you're stretching believability right now, but yeah, it, it's it's kind of Liam Cunningham is one of those guys who he's a really good actor, everything he's in, he's, he's always very good. What he's in, maybe not in the best films yeah. all the time, but every yeah. he's always very good. In massive um, fan, yeah, huge fan, and he's kind of got almost that Bruce Campbell thing where it's like the bigger the budget, the smaller the role. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit of that. So this is he's like pretty much front and center for most of this film. So you kind of go, it's like, oh my god, this is obviously limited in some way, and because that feels like it does belong where it belongs, like straight to DVD, straight to streaming, maybe not a cinematic movie. Hmm. But it's nice not to spoil it. Nice to see him not getting killed for a, tr- a change. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does have that, um, you know, um, Sean Beanness about him, where you pretty much know if there's something he did knocked off in this film. I think Liam Cunningham might be getting Liam. it. Um, he's yeah. got, I think he's. I think he's an interesting actor. He's, he's got that that kind of drawn face and charisma and delivery that you're always, you know, he can act. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. you can see that this boy, you know, is is he is usually slightly above, you know, his peers and what he's doing. Oh yeah, know. that's like he, he brings a lot of gravitas to it yeah. just by the way he, he yeah. holds himself. Have you seen that film sure Hunger that he's in? Have you seen Hunger? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, that's a horrible film. But that's the way he that nice scene with him and um who plays Bingy? Uh well, what's his face? Uh Huge Cock, married to Alicia McCandles, Michael Fassbender. He yeah. that scene with them two of them are sitting across the table you're talking. That's like a 15 minute, 20 minute scene, just him talking, but it feels absolutely believable. It doesn't feel like it's yeah. you know that there's no acting. That that was was that not done in a continuous? Yeah, just it's, it's a one shot. One shot, yeah, and, yeah. And both of them don't, you know, they, they don't miss a beat. Um, also, I can't believe I just described Michael Fassbender as yet a guy with a big dick. Um, if all the so, things you could describe about him, yeah, that's that's what you do. Yeah, I, I don't believe I'm wrong. No. <laughs> um, my favorite Liam Cunningham film is uh, Dog Soldiers, or whatever we mean, Dog Soldiers. Yeah, I I really enjoyed them. Um, Strangely enough, um, in, in Game of Thrones, I think, and every time he was in Game of Thrones, I was just like glued to everything he was yeah, doing. Yeah. He totally just, you know, he showed him and Sean Bean took, you know, what, what I suppose at times was a mediocre TV show and just made it something else completely. Yeah. 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 Very good actor. And this film, like I said, everyone's acting very good and everyone's having fun in it. It's a fun enough ride when you're watching it. Doesn't probably won't live that long in the memory. So, you know, take that as well as, but. Perfectly passable Friday night fair if you're sitting wanting to watch something on a Friday night and just I've got no but you but I really enjoy a heist movie. Um I don't I no, I'm not a massive mass. I can't actually think of any that I've thought that's kind of stuck with me so much. I don't know. Inside Man? Um, never seen it. Yes, oh yeah. trust me that no. you you will love Inside Man. Denzel. It's, it's I, do, I, do like, I do like Denzel. Denzel is good. Um, I've Baby Driver's a good heist movie. Uh, yeah, I guess, I suppose. But Logan yeah, Lucky. Yeah. We both enjoyed Logan Lucky. That was, uh, see, I see them more as, I guess they are heist, but I, for me that's a comedy and Baby Driver's like a kind of action. Mm. Do you know what I mean as well? I guess a crossover, maybe, I don't know. The Great Muppet like, Caper. Oh, I've not seen that. Um, the Ocean's the Ocean, movie? Never seen any of them. I've never seen a single Ocean's film. Ah. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just a, a it's a, a kind of genre that's never really kind of. Really I, I guess I've seen when I was a kid, I used to like things like Sting and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know if that that's that's. I would say that's kind of a heist movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Same stuff like the, the towns are kind of heist movie. The Italian Job, um, even stuff like Bottle Rocket. 
you know, the bling ring. Point Break's a heist movie, essentially, is it not? Kind of, you know. That's, so. I've not seen Point Break. I'm definitely missing out on a genre here, aren't I? Yeah. You're, you're saying stuff to me, and I'm like, I've not seen any of these things he's mentioning. That, I mean, that's tell him strange. one, two, three is a sort of hostage heist movie as well. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think you should. That's what you should do next time. Just invest in some um, decent heist movies. Okay, I'll, I'll take you up on that one. So I'll, yeah. I'll dig out something. Nice one. I, can, um, I, so I give it a very solid six and a half out of ten. Which for an Amazon production, absolutely fine. Like I said, passable decent, Friday night entertainment. Decent score, sir. Decent score. Yes. And from that, you move on to the main event, which I thought we'd talk about for most time, but amazingly, we caught up on drummers for a good wee while there. Um, this film is called Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's in cinemas only. It did not go to Disney release, don't think. It was just only no. in cinemas. Um, um, I don't think they would dare do that at this point in time because I they think are, the, Scar- the Scarlett Johansson um, is slowly but surely biting him in the ass. So. Yes. Um, yeah. The, the <laughs> effect is in full effect right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on our side a little bit with it, but oh, yeah, it is hard sure, to feel, yeah. you know, who do you feel a bit, a bit you know, worse for? The multi-billionaire company or the multi-millionaire actress? You know, it's kind of like... But, you know, it, it comes down to she was told something that's exactly it. And that's, uh, you know, so yeah, Disney, you know, don't. don't yeah, if, you, if you're talking, if you're in a contract telling you something, then you feel that contract should be honored in whatever yeah. way that is. Yes. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. Shang-Chi Legend of the Ten Rings, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who did a, a Cretan. I'm, I'm not going to call him Cretan. That seems harsh. So Cretan. I think, I would say, mm, yeah, Cretan. Yeah, Cretan. Let's go Cretan. Yeah, Cretan, Cretan sounds nice when you talk Cretan. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's just a Scottish word or not, but Cretan is not really nice to um, describe someone. Um, so he directed the film Just Mercy a few years ago and also The Glass Castle, which I think I remember you liking more than I did. One with... Um, Brie Larson, Larson. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. I didn't like that one. He did yeah. do the film Short Term Twelve, which I absolutely adored. And um, that was on with Brie Larson, and she's in the youth hostel, youth house, youth hostel, and looking after the kids. Oh, I've not seen that. Huh? Final, oh, genuinely phenomenal movie. Like really touching, really, really, it really got me in a bit in a big way. Really good film. Definitely different from this. These, these are all pretty small scale. Even the Glass Castle is a sort of a studio picture with quite a small, intimate family picture. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so def- definitely kind of different from this one. Uh, I don't know a lot about Shang-Chi, but the basic plot of this one is there is a... <laughs> there's a, a power that has been handed down for generations in the form of these ten rings. Um, the people personally who holds the rings, their son and daughter sort of go off in the world because they don't want to be involved in the, the nastiness that the ten rings are involved in. The person who has the rings... He wants to try and basically invade somewhere in order to get something back. And from that, they are called out of hiding in order to try and stop, stop that. Yeah. Yes. In a nutshell, yeah. In a nutshell, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've um, got it, man. You've got it. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's, 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 it's an origin story for the Shang-Chi character from the comic books, which, again, as I've, said, I've not read a lot of. Um, did you read much from when you were a kid, Shang-Chi? No, I, I didn't know who he was at all. Um, the first time I'd heard of Shang-Chi's character was when they announced they were making a Shang-Chi right. movie. See, I thought you been thinking, I'm sure it came out at the same time as like all the Kung Fu stuff in the 70s and 80s. And it stuff. I thought they'd be probably old. did. And I know they've kind of done some research since um, retconned it, and, and apparently he's had tie-ins with Iron Fist and stuff like yeah. that. So that means... Uh, um, um, you know, like Luke Cage, stuff like that as well. Um, the Mandarin him. character was sort of a, a major bad guy for him. Um, yeah, I'm not going yeah. to touch on too much in this, but the Mandarin character, and apparently quite a racist character, I think that was probably part of the problem with the Shang-Chi character trying to bring it to the big screen, was there was some really sort of very 
outdated racial overtones. Yeah, well, it was you that told me that initially Shang-Chi was written as he was um, Fu Manchu's son. Yes. Um, back in the day, and Marvel lost the right to the Fu Manchu, Fu Manchu. character. Yeah. Um, and Fu Manchu is it's racist. There's yeah, no, it's, there's no way there's no no it is. Yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's outright stereotypical you know, just downright cruel racism. It's a product um, of its time, but it's, it's not particularly, it's still a nasty product of its time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they've taken, you know, they've kind of knocked out of the way and, and brought in the Mandarin as as the father character instead of Fu Manchu, which yes. um, it worked for the movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, yeah. that's came, so I, I don't really know how good an origin story this was of the movie because I didn't really know much about the story mm. of the, the actual comics. I'm, I'm kind of coming from a place of not quite knowing as much as I used to. Yeah. About the... Um, the Marvel stuff. So in the film, it's, uh, Sim, uh, Simon Liu, that's how he pronounces his name, yeah. I think. Um, he plays Chang-Chi. Aquafina plays his right-hand lady. Um, Menga, Menji Zhang, uh, she plays the sister. Yeah. Tony Lung plays uh, the dad, who is well-known throughout all of the Kung Fu yeah. martial arts uh, world. Yeah, just kind of Chinese Hong Kong cinema in general. He's, yeah. he's a big, big name, big name. Speaking of um, Hong Kong cinema, you get Michelle Yeoh pops up in it as well, who I... She does indeed. Really nice to see her back. She is always yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and also, he's t- quite sometimes one of my favourite Marvel characters, and, he, and I like to see him do more. Uh, but Benedict Wong pops up in a few brief moments in it, and I am a big yeah. fan of Benedict Wong. Benedict Wong is great, isn't he? He's got a charm to him. You, you, he's just, you smile whenever you see him on the screen. You do. Oh, he has a sort of like, <laughs> regret, like grudgingly is doing a job he doesn't really want to do almost now, but he still has the force to do it. And it's just, yeah. I, I like Benedict. I like the way he plays the character um, in it. Um, so I really mm. like him. Anyway, mm-hmm. I've talked a lot in the last couple of minutes about the film Marvel. So what did you think of this one, first of all? Um, genuinely enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I kind of went in with, with high hopes anyway. Being yes. Marvel, it, even you know when they do disappoint, it doesn't disappoint. Do you know what I mean? Because us fanboys will lap up out the throat. Yes. Um, so, so I did go in expecting big things, and, and it delivered um, everything I was expecting and more yeah. as well. Um, Aquafina um, is... Fast becoming one of my favourite actresses. Um, I've seen her in a handful of you know films now, and I think she's brilliant. She's really really funny. She's um, charismatic. Um, she's got her name Aquafina is. She called herself that because she, she's always felt like she's this awkward person that never really mm. fit in anywhere. So that's why she's called Aquafina. Um, and you do, you get it. Do you know what I mean? Like once you kind of read her, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm awkward. And you kind of watch her on screen, you're like, you are awkward, but in such a nice, charming way. Mm. Um, so I always enjoy um, seeing her. I was kind of drawn to her. Um, it was the, the, the fight scenes were just wow. I mean, we've, we've kind of seen snippets of Marvel before doing. Choreographed fight scenes, you know, um, most notably the Winter Soldier, Winter America. Yeah. Um, anything that Scarjo does is, is usually quite well, well kind of well done. Choreographed, yeah. Um, but there are times with Marvel where it, it does seem highly choreographed. To take an, an American, you know, kind of company like Marvel and try and you know go toe to toe and make almost a martial arts movie, I would say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and to pull it off, I, I think they pulled it off successfully, but with, with the fight scenes was was nothing short of wow. I mean, every action scene was just done so, so, so well. We were talking just recently about um, when we were watching the G.I. Joe film, uh, the fight scenes and that, and how it was cut, cut, and you never seen anything that was going on. It was really badly done. This just, you know, Mar- Mar- Marvel 
just took you know the kung fu genre and totally nailed it. I, I thought yeah. anyway, absolutely blown away by it. Yeah, the the, the boss scene in particular is my favourite. I thought the boss scene was fantastic. Um, so well done. Yeah, the bamboo yeah. scaffolding fight also was excellent. I really enjoyed well, that one. But even like the, the kind of the dancing in the garden, it was uh-huh. just so so beautifully done. I, where the where the action lost me a little bit was when it went big. At the end, so, yes, um, like yeah. the, the sort of the, the sort of really sort of tight martial artsy stuff. I was like, I am all this is excellent. Yeah. Like I'm really enjoying so, this immensely. So yeah. But then yeah. that's that was my one big major feeling in the film. I thought it, it it went the Marvel big thing in the sky at the end, which again it's like it didn't need it, and it felt like it was tacked on and it took away from the rest of the movie. I thought that's done a really good job of going from the mundane to the fantastical and not feeling like a leap. Yeah, like the film yeah, starts totally. like the film is well, once you go over like in a prologue, when you get into like the sort of Shang-Chi character, you actually start with essentially he's a valet working in a hotel, yeah, doing the karaoke, and by the end of the film, he's in sort of a hidden kingdom, you know, fighting dragons. And you go, right, but it doesn't feel like a leap, dragon. It, it, it feels yeah. like it, it moves at the right pace. You go, this actually works really well, um, visually, I think this is maybe Marvel's best film i'm going to uh, possibly black panther i don't know but mm. just in terms of just pure eye candy like mm. every, every bit of scenery you could take a snapshot and hang that your wall with just everything was just you, you didn't know where it looked sometimes the colors and the backdrops it was just beautiful to it watch did feel film. a little bit at times like for the first like sort of eight years of marvel the origin flick copied iron man that was a sort of he's doing iron man with different characters that was the idea behind it Mm-hmm. Now the, the the template is do Black Panther, so it felt like Shang Chi sort of in many ways was a sort of like Asian version of Black Panther, not not a carbon copy, yeah. but definitely taking the DNA of what Black Panther did and how it was presented to the world, but, and doing much the same with this. No, it, it's not a bad thing because that yeah, works that's well. what I was going to say. It's a good thing because the way it's been done, it, you know, you can you can do it wrong. You know, yes. and and become stereotyped and, and and you know just you know racial about it. They, they never, you know, it was so so respectful. Of Very delicate lines and stuff to, like that. Walk. And it just, I was so impressed with the film. I, I just yeah. cannot, you know, go. And there was also, um, I don't think we should say who, but there's a cameo. The good cameo in it. It's a fun cameo. Uh, in it. Enjoyed it. The, the, almost stole the film. It um, did. Uh, I enjoyed it. it the, the Planet of the Apes bit just had me creased Did you roll on? Yeah, that was just genius. Whoever wrote that was just, you know, genius levels of writing at that point. The only thing about like, that wow. scene, that, that whole character was that character has a buddy in it, which I felt was not required and is, again, just sort of trying to sell oh, merch a little bit. That you felt, have no fucking nah, thoughts. Up. I didn't My really God. buy for that. But, um, <laughs> what I did enjoy about this a lot is I think Marvel's been guilty a little bit, particularly when it was sort of like pushing towards that sort of the, the Infinity War and the Infinity War end. Every film felt at the time, every sort of film that had brought out felt more inclined to try to push the big story on in order to get to the Infinity War. So it lost a little bit of focus on the current story. Like Captain Marvel, I think, is a prime one of that where it was so sort of focused on trying to get the idea of like she's very powerful and she'll come important against Thanos that it kind of forgot about the Captain Marvel story a little bit and didn't really sort of yeah. embrace that, right? This yeah, film okay, yeah. essentially ignores the rest of the MCU for the most part. It doesn't really embrace yeah, it. Yeah, there's, there's, little, there's a little, like you've seen in the trailer, the Abomination cameos in it, and if you know who the Abomination is, that's great. Yeah. If, you, if you don't know who he is, it doesn't matter. 
it's irrelevant. Yeah, it yeah. it's a, it's almost a throwaway scene, which uh-huh. is, you know it creams the fanboys, but it is yeah. The reference Infinity War, obviously, the idea of like you know half the world could be brought out of population at any one moment and can be brought yeah. back, so they, they reference it. But this film, for the most part, I, I would say until the sort of cutscenes at the end, like the usual Marvel um, sort of tag-ons at the end to sort of the movie story, this film stands by itself as its own film. It doesn't really have a lot of push to get other Marvel stuff in, which I really, really appreciated yeah. um, a lot because I think yeah. that helped it to stand in it. I wasn't just sitting there waiting for, oh my God, I hope, I hope the Hulk turns up in this, you know, which is yeah. what you kind of have waiting for most of the time in these films. So yeah. I really, really like that about it. Um, and it allowed me to just enjoy the film. Yeah. They're, get, they're getting really good at this element of, um, as we've kind of both said, I mean, I'm, I think you're a bigger kind of comic book nerd than I am, for sure. Yeah. Um, I kind of know a fair bit about comics. I mean, I've kind of had my hand on them for years and stuff like that, but for none of us to have known this character. And yeah. after watching the film, you know, I'm firmly invested in this character. But yeah, I, I want to see what he can do. In the universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, put him in there. You know, I want to see him with the Avengers. I want to see him yeah. in other films now. And to, to just kind of take an unknown entity and do yeah. that is, is something magical. And it, it doesn't rely on, you know, a talking raccoon and a talking tree. It doesn't no. have those gimmicks to do it. it you know, it's... That he delivers him playing that character, you know, he was believable, he had heart and soul in there, and he's a charming actor. He well, I think that's something you've got to focus on, much like um, when Boseman got cast as Black Panther. Mm. He seemed like a guy who has fully embraced this role. He, like, sort of, he, he is sort of, he kind of came, he was on a TV show in Canada, I think it was, something like at Kim's Convenience or something he was on, or something yeah, like yeah. yeah, that. He, that was pretty much his only major big credit. And he was one, apparently, he's one of the guys, one of the guys who the stock photos that, um, Alamy uses and you team you type in like in Google like man sitting at desk and it's like it's a him. stock photo. He's yeah. in them. He's, he's oh, in a lot well. of these ones. So like yeah. Oh. So that was his sort of other stuff. So he's not really had a big breakout film role, I don't think. So this is his coming out party essentially. And, wow. Um, and he owns it. it completely. Oh yeah, you believe him as a, you believe the character. I mean, you do. You root from right to the very end. I, 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 again, the Marvel do. I don't. Think, I think they've yet to make a film that doesn't go big enough for that, haven't they? They, they, they just can't break away. That that's yeah, the, and it's, it's a real it's the thing. Yeah, it's not going to change. I don't it's, think it's, it's annoying that's not that they haven't changed the character. I would like to see them just don't have to go small, but yeah. they could have easily done something that didn't reveal in two big things fighting in the sky. Even Black Widow had it, and Black Widow did, did yeah. not like. That fell even out of place in Black Widow, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, that's the kind of that's the kind of the thing. I, I, that's when I kind of let lose a little bit of interest, and also even um, we saw it in we saw it in a big massive super screen um, in Sydney mm-hmm. World. See the finale when it is the two big things fighting. Yeah, the camera is moving, whip, whipping about so quickly. I had real trouble focusing on what was happening. It felt like it was really Which moving is a very shame quickly because yeah. when they done the action scenes. You, you, you were so aware of every punch and kick and where, yeah. who it was going and go. and then yeah it totally they'd done that and it's like that this is quite messy at times and it's like it's just a strange offset do you know what i mean yeah you know you've done this so well but then you, you've went you know you've done this yeah. and it, it's kind of jumbly it's, it's weird yeah uh, M- michelle you always she was she was charming as hell in it as well. oh it was good god yeah her. She, she, how graceful is that woman? I mean, she she can still do that shit. You know, she she would kick your ass in a second. Oh, I mean, it's like the question of that, you know, grace that, that that's un, unparalleled. She, she's just so, you know, the way she moves, you can tell. You know, I mean, she, she's she's a highly trained martial artist. I mean, like highly highly trained, 
and the way she moves, it's just it's up, isn't it? It's just a, it's I mean, she was born in 1968, so that would make her. She is three years older than me, so she is 54, 53. So she is the the way she moves is phenomenal. I mean, I'm not going to say women in her 50s can't do that, but it's still yeah. it's still so. You know, if, if we're giving him um, Keanu credit and he's like 48 or something like to give mm. Michelle Yeoh like and she's done some insane stuff in the past you know it's like mm. she's, she's never been shy and doing like sort of really incredible stuff so um mm. yeah like she's she's phenomenal in it I thought the Tony Long was was brilliant she, in it I thought he was it's fantastic. really hard to to make a villain that you care about and and you know you understand the motives and you feel so you feel for him and it, it, he got that man you know he took the Mandarin character and you know he, he gave him heart that you know, you invested in, in that character, definitely. Yeah. And again, I don't I think is this his first American film? Oh, I'm not too sure actually. Um I'm gonna say no, but I could be talking shit. Don't save me on that. I think he's I'm, maybe I'm done a trying film. to think of something else he's been in, to be honest. I'm just sort of like I mean, obviously, he's been in you know Hong Kong cinema and Chinese cinema for a long, long time. Yeah. I think like sort of essentially. Yeah, he's got a huge body of work, so he has yeah, a huge body. And and again, Aquafina, she's only. I mean, well, that's her now. She's part of the MCU now because you know we, we know what happens. So she, she's mm. going to be part of the MCU, and I'm so glad to see her getting that really big break that that she deserved. Um, the last big thing I seen her in was um, Jumanji. She was in the second Jumanji. Remember? So she was, yes. And I, just every time I see her, she just makes me smile. She she's just got a draw that that, that just charms the hell out of me. Um, so she really is like just her. on that side of not being irritating. Yeah, on the right side. What I would say is everything I've seen her in so far, she appears to be playing the same kind of role. You know, so I would like to see her do something. I, I, I'm gonna, I, I like her, but I've seen her in so far. But I would like to see her do something else, like sort of show more range. Like she's see- done. Um, I don't know if you'd have seen it or not because you're not as into Chinese cinema as I am. Strangely enough, <laughs> <laughs> she was in a Chinese movie um, about four years ago called I want Farewell. To um, yeah, and. Dude, it'll break your heart, man. You, no, again, I keep meaning to watch it. Just I'm not. I feel like I've got to be in the right kind of frame of mind to sit and watch it. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, just about you know a Chinese family and and you know kind of how the the kind of culture, American Chinese culture and stuff like that. And she is just, I, I would say, you know, an Oscar winning performance from her. Yeah, she, she, I don't think she even got acknowledged. But um, if you, if you ever do get to watch it, you'll see what I mean. Um. She's she's not doing that that role that you you're talking about. Yes. exactly what you mean. That is her, you know, her stick just now is yeah. you know, that, that kind of slightly offset a little old character that's quippy. But when you watch that, it's it's heartbreaking and it's such a great film. And I think that was the first time I'd seen her. Yeah. And every time she was on the the, the screen, I was just you know, wow, who is this actress? And that's what got me invested in her initially. Um, so yeah, if you get the chance, watch that. I know that film is on Amazon, so I will try and um, yeah. get into watching it. Um, highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is a there is a sense in this film as well, much like all the other MCU films that um, I don't know if the director put any sort of stamp on it in terms of making it his own. If you know what I mean, it felt very much like it was. He's behind the camera, it's uh, his, yeah. but it's it's an MCU film. And, and that's not a feeling of the director, because I think you could probably say that about all the Marvel films, with the exception of Ragnarok. Ragnarok, that, possibly Black Panther. 
as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, where it's very much... That you, you, Mark, can see the, you can see the director coming through in them, whereas yeah. these ones, the rest of me feel like you could plug... I'm not going to say you plug anyone in there because that's demeaning what the person does. But I, I would like to see them, again, embrace directors who can bring a bit more of their own like character to it a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely a control element from it's Marvel. It's like, yeah, you can make a movie, but we're going to tell you how we want it to be. And then yes. if we don't like it, then yeah. you need to fix it so that like, it's our vision. Um, but compare yeah, that, right. like, that to the DC world, which I know it's not right to be comparing all the time. But when we watched the Suicide Squad, that is every inch of James Gunn movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, yeah. the Superman and the Batman yeah. films, Superman v Batman, they're every inch. Uh, Zack Snyder film, you know, they, they look like a Zack Snyder movie. And but what it does do, that, there, is, there is a sense of there's a lack of cohesion amongst across the brand. That's what I was going to say. Is that the difference between yes. the success of Marvel and the flop of DC? Is that Marvel do that they've got a vision and they won't let you step out of that? Oh. Whereas DC do, and you're kind of you don't feel like you're watching an episodic series of films, possibly. Right, this, this does feel at times a little bit cookie cutter, doesn't there's no doubt in that, that. Yeah. Yeah. But it does work because ultimately you can take someone who's not seen any of these films and usually they can enjoy the film for what it is because it, you can you can you can link enough through it yeah. and it doesn't feel like it's such it's, it's so jarring if that if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I really dug it. Like I, I'm yes. not sure I'd put, I'm not really sure I'd put it in my Marvel like MCU ranking. I'd probably sort of comfortably mid table. Slightly above for me, I would put it on a par. Or there or thereabouts with Black Panther, I would say. Yeah. Which, which for me, Ragnarok's still my my number one. I love Ragnarok. Ragnarok just yep. does funny things to me, man. It, it just tickles me in weird ways. Yeah. Um, Ragnarok just blows me away. Okay. Um, it, the, the ensemble ones are always going to be, you know, you can't. I don't think it's even fair to include them. Um, do you know what I mean? They, they it's hard to. It's hard to because I think sometimes you're mixing up the quality of the film with the experience of seeing it. So, like for example, the yeah. Endgame movie. The, the experience of seeing that film felt more than just the film. Mm-hmm. So mm. there's major feelings in that film because it, it does, it goes on probably at least a half an hour too long. There's, there's a lot of chuff in it, a lot of it drags at times. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you forget about that because the final 45 minutes is probably some of the greatest cinema you've ever seen because yeah, it's that, pure cinema. That's what, yeah, that's what you remember. Yeah, it's that, you know, those big bits, you're like, mm. Jesus fucking Christ. And it is, it's, you know, it's all the Avengers and every hero and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I would, I would, I would definitely say, yeah, I think it's up there, Black Panther. I think it's top tier. I think out with the ensemble pieces, if that makes sense. Mm. I, I I'd probably put it. it alongside sort of like maybe uh, First Avenger. Like I, I really enjoy. It. I put it in, in that world. Yeah. What no. What I thought was really interesting was um, because, like you, I didn't know the character, and it, I, I knew they were going to have to give him a costume, and mm. I had no fucking idea. I'm not, What's this costume going to yeah. be? So that was quite that nice. That did feel oh. very <laughs> ham-fisted getting that in. Yeah, like yeah, it felt yeah. like they really had to bend over backwards to get that moment and to get the beginning. Yeah. Like that felt like that. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it worked. You go with the film, that's yeah. fine. But it did feel like yeah. we need to find a way to get them into that costume. We, we need okay, to we'll do that. But then yeah. when you look at, if you look at older comic books, the fact that it's not too bad. No, as well. the, yeah. look is, the look is good, but it's how yeah. he gets it. I'm like, going, really? Yeah. It felt yeah, a bit that the Ben will yeah. to get it. You know, I, yeah, it, I really liked it. I found a lot of fun. It, it's 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 what cinema, it's what I've missed from cinema um, over the last sort of like two years. It's big, it's pure popcorn, action, enjoyable, fun cinema. And Absolutely. If you watch this at home on Disney Plus, 
you would lose so much from it. Like, I think you wouldn't just have the yeah. same effect on it. This is the thing. Yeah. These kind of films are made to be seen on a big, massive screen. You know, yeah. it's one of my biggest regrets of the scent of the whole epidemic. I mean, a lot of stuff, but I didn't see Kong v Godzilla on the big screen because I fucking I love that movie on the small screen. Even just what, and I thought I would have loved to see that film on the big screen. And absolutely, yeah. It made that film is made to be seen as big as humanly possible. Even the people that seen Black, Black Widow on TV, um, I would like you was fortunate enough to see it in the cinema, and I think, yeah, there's so much you would lose just you know not seeing it in your face. Um, I, I want to see Shang Chi again because there was so much that I wanted to look at. Yeah, and I think my eyes were like. What's that? What's that? Look at that. That's Aye. gorgeous. That's, and I want to see it again. And I want to focus more on the action this time yeah. because there was so much in the background. It was just beautiful. Do you yeah. know what I mean? See, there was it was so artistically done. Um, yeah. the, the, the word that I never that I asked you and Lorraine about a few years ago, cinematography, I never understood that. And more and more I'm getting it now. And when I see a film like this, I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, that that's well, I think wow. You, you might not know something, but you recognize when it's good. Yeah, you know, like yeah. when when like Roger Deakin shoots stuff for like the Coen Brothers and for like Blade Runner twenty four, you go right. That looks beautiful, and there's a reason. It's not the director has something to do with, but the cinematographer makes that look stunning. Yeah. This you know? is this is it's all throughout this film. There's just yeah. so so much to look at. So I'd like to go and get a second viewing and just you know focus on maybe th- those action scenes were, were beautiful. I'd like to focus more on them, maybe, um, yeah. or focus more on the back, but knowing that I've kind of seen it, knowing what to expect, I can relax and yeah. take it all in as a, an overall experience better, I think. I think um, yeah. something got mentioned about it as well, it's genuinely funny. Yeah, it, is, it, it had humor, laughs. Humor, yeah, definitely. And again, the cameo um, provided the Some of it, laughs. but not all of it, but some of it. Yeah, mm. definitely. The two lead characters, um, Alcofina, um, you know, and, and the fellow Flynn Shinch, they were, they were great. They, were, they bounced yeah. off each other well. Anytime Wong was on there, Wong. Wong, I want, a, I want a mini series of Wong. <laughs> just Wong's adventures when he's sort of like hanging around the Sanctum Sanctorum, just sort of like getting pissed <laughs> off at things or just sort of have to deal with stuff. I want a, just a sort of... Almost like a what we do in the shadow style documentary series Both about Wong. Wong. Dude, yes, that would work, actually. Um, I was reading up a wee bit about um, the, the, the kind of plans and stuff for that, and, and it was saying that, that Wong is now the kind of he, they've made him the kind of recruiter now for Avengers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think we're going to see him popping up and he's almost going to be sort of like, phase. He'll almost, I think, from what I'm reading, be like sort of the Sam Jackson Nick Fury role, but for like the mystical arts. Type thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just kind of going around, and you know, he's bringing these guys into the fold. So it'll be nice to see to see more and more of them. I'm looking forward to that. A lot. Absolutely, yeah. Um, how are you feeling about just before we give the scores and, and kind of move along? How are you feeling about the Eternals? What, what's your thoughts on that? Again, this is character. I don't know much about. Don't know much about him either. I know it's slightly Jack... more than I knew about Shang Chi. Yes, but not not a whole lot at all. Yeah. I know. It's, I know Jack Kirby done him, so I know it's going to be very. It could be very sort of like ethereal and very sort of big. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he, he was sort of known for doing that towards the end of his you know run. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, like. I love seeing Salma Hayek on the screen. Salma Hayek gets so much charisma. I love seeing Angelina Jolie on the screen. It's been so long since we saw Angelina Jolie on the big screen. It's been a while, yeah. so I'm really looking yeah. forward to that. The yeah. boy, Rich, is it Richard Madden? The boy Richard playing. Madden. Yeah, we were talking about him last week. Scott he's got yeah. real charisma as well, so it's like something mm. about him there. So, And also the guy who's in um, The Big Sick. Um, oh, uh, yeah, I don't know who you mean. Yeah. The one who got really buff and, and yeah. in Silicon Valley, him. Like, yeah. all, all good actors. So 
they're going to have to jump through some hoops to try and explain why they didn't get involved in uh, the, the, the Thanos stuff, um, which I think they're trying to do. But the, um, but I'm intrigued. It does look stunning. It looks beautiful. Um, yeah. Chloe Zhao is a phenomenal director. Um, and the fact she directed that and then directed um, the, the one that won the Oscar for Francis McDormand. Nomads. Nomadland. She's done Nomadland like, in between mm. times, essentially. So yeah. she's done a full Spielberg in this. Um, she's got a keen eye. I did see something, right? It was like Kevin Feige was talking, saying, it's amazing what she's done. She's been outside and she's like captured this real light and it's like sort of, this, and like sort of the humanity and sort of the stunningness of nature. And it's like someone just went, has Kevin Feige just discovered that there's an outside world and not everything has to be filmed in a green <laughs> like, so like, like you, can, you can film something in the real world, you know? Like, uh, the, the, <laughs> open it, oh, look out your window, Kevin. Uh, uh, you know, you, you'd be surprised at what you see, possibly. What does strike me, what I'm, I'm, and like I thought the balance of comedy towards action this it felt real and it felt okay it felt a nice balance in it mm-hmm. the eternal from what I've seen the tra- anyway the trailer and the way she directs and the films she's done in the past the balance of comedy might be quite difficult to get in this one because there's, there's it, a joke in the trailer regarding like an, a, a vibranium table or something that feels mm-hmm. really flat in comparison yeah. to what's coming for it do you think it's going to feel like kind of the, the first four film where kind of Branner kind of went in and he kind of missed almost Shakespearean in a sense yeah, yes, and kind of yeah. I, I, it feels like that but in saying that I think it'll probably be the most I think it'll be the best looking Marvel film they've done so far possibly better. I think it'll be stunning looking the high bar to, to, to kind of yeah. get over I think so, they're yeah. shooting like all natural light and stuff like that and like shooting only at magic time and all that kind of stuff so mm. it looks absolutely beautiful so I mean cool. I'll be really pleased to see what they do with that but I don't, I don't know enough about the Eternals to actually really, really properly yeah. speak about it. Interesting. Um, yeah. So we'll be to know what they do with the characters and, and um, how they back, the world. Back to Shang-Chi, so, so out, out of 10, what, what did you give Shang-Chi? I gave it originally a 7, but because of our chat, I'm going with 7.5. I feel like I enjoyed oh. it a little bit more than a 7, so 7.5 out of 10. I was slightly more enamoured, um, okay. and I went... Eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. Yeah, because I, I, I think uh, the, the the martial arts element really kind of got to be an Aquafina. Both those kind of pushed it a wee extra bit for me. Yeah. Nice one. Um, well, so next week we have um, at the cinema cop shop starring Ooh. Paisley's very own Jerry Butler. Je- who's you showing Jerry quite a lot more? Than I enjoy Jerry for what he is, but Jerry has got limited range, and when Jerry um, works to that limited range. Jerry's very enjoyable. It's when he tries to break out of that. Like, like I saw a film recently, maybe recently during lockdown, when it was him, Sam Neill and Peter Mullen in a film, right? And I'm going to say, two of those gentlemen are phenomenal actors. <laughs> <laughs> and and one might be for Paisley, is all I'm saying. You know, it's like, you know, like one of those things is not like the other, is all I'm saying. You know, yeah. so like when he works to his own range, he can be very enjoyable. I enjoy, in fact, he's in that. He's in a film recently, was it? Not Geostorm, the other one. What about the asteroid hitting Earth? That's Geostorm, yeah. No, Geostorm's the one that's a big action film. The one that's at him in um, Greenland. He's in Greenland. Oh, yeah, I've not seen that. No. Holy shit. That, what? Greenland's fucking a great film. Like a genuinely emotional hitting film. I'll check that. Like, it's, not, you... what, it's not what you expect from the movie. It's not like a, it's um, not an action movie. Right, I'm going to try and give Jerry just a wee bit of validation. Um, I'm going to throw at you Machine Gun Preacher. No. I like Machine Gun Preacher. I like the one uh, he does um, when he plays the it's like the Shakespearean one when it's in like sort of Iraq. 
it's, it's like it's like so basically it's basically Hamlet or something, but it's like it's in Iraq and it's like oh, okay. it's um oh you lost, lost me at Shakespeare, but go no, on. but it's it's it's, <laughs> it's done in the Shakespearean style, but it's set in modern day. Hmm. So it has sort of like it's a bit like Romeo and Juliet in that respect. In that respect, but it's really well done. Um, I can't remember who directed it. Somebody, I think it might have been um, something, somebody like an actor directed it as well. So it felt like something more. I'm trying to remember. It this sounds film. fucking bizarre as fuck. I don't. It know is really good it, though. It sounds bizarre. <laughs> really, really good. I'm just trying to get the name of the film for you now. So if you keep um, bam, for but, a second, but, Corley, yeah, it's a very bad title. It's called Coralie Anus. Oh right. Directed by Ralph Fiennes or Rafe Fiennes. Sorry. That's where the whole Shakespeare shit comes from. You got Ralph, you got Ray Fine, Jerry Butler, Brian Cox, and and like, I mean, you hear Brian Cox and like um, Jerry Butler in a Scottish accent spouting for Shakespeare. That's how Shakespeare should sound. It shouldn't sound this flattish <laughs> London accent. It should have the aggression of a, a boy for Paisley, essentially. A boy for Paisley and a boy for Dundee fucking screaming at each other in like sort of yoldy terms is what you want. Oh, sir, you crack me up sometimes. You're so, really. yeah. Uh, but no, the trailer for it, I, I only seen the trailer recently and, and I had no idea that this film was even getting made. And when I seen the trailer, I was like, this this looks like it's going to be a whole load of fun. So I'm yes. all, in, all in for Cox. I'm in for it as well because I, every time I hear Jerry Butler get interviewed, he's a very enjoyable guy. He yeah. seems a really fun guy. And I'm like, I, I'm rooting for you. I want you to do well. I'm, I'm really up for you doing well. Some yeah. of these films like, have not been good. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Some have not been yeah. great. Um, a friend of ours used to, who was... Um, I want to say a bodyguard, but a bouncer, but she had had quite a few encounters with Jerry Butler on the job. In a good um, way or a bad way? No, in a good way. She always said that he, he was a really nice guy. He was lovely. He was dead down to earth and stuff like that. Um, Susie used to work with him, but now and again, she she would have to like, kind of follow him around and look after him and stuff like that, and she always said that, that he was he was lovely. Like, and, and, I would think I've heard him he seemed like a really, like one of the guys, there's a, there's a few actors who I want to like based purely on interviews because I feel they seem really nice. People, mm. even though some of the films don't rub them the right way, but I like I'm rooting for you because I like the way you sound and you have a nice chat. Like Anne Hathaway sounds insanely fun in interviews. Like I'm like, I yeah. want to know more about Anne Hathaway. I'd I'd quite happy to hang out with Anne Hathaway. Some of your films don't really do it for me, but I like you, so I'm rooting you for you. You're a nice world. person. Yeah. Um just on a very, very, very last side note, just to, to, to fade this out on a on a, a, a bit of fun and nonsense. Um I, I was on the internet today and as you do you go down rabbit holes and I found a rabbit hole of, of the smallest actors and, and stuff like that so I was like oh this because I'm small I'm, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not a big gentleman I'm, I'm, I'm a tiny thing I'm pocket size um, and I was looking at you know small actors and stuff it's been like over the Jessica Chastain story I told you this a couple of weeks ago no, and I'm still stunned by it no, 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 I'm just going to, going to say, so I was kind of looking at this and you know you, you start and you click next and it takes you on to page one and it was mm. um you know, some actor, and, and you know, he's like, yeah, and this actor's only five foot eight, and I'm like, fuck off. Right? Cause, <laughs> you know, to, to me, that's, you know, he, he's a big tall man, and then the next one, and this actor's five foot seven, I'm like, go oh, fuck yourself, um, do you know what I mean? And it's five foot six, I'm like, just fuck off, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, you know, if you're going to do small actors, you know, let's fucking keep this grounded in reality. Um, and eventually we got to, um, Daniel Radcliffe is the same height as me. Which Does that make you feel good? It, it does, yeah. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe to me is a man who's got like sort of small man energy, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Same like, like Elijah Wood. I've been more yeah, surprised when he told me Elijah Wood was six foot four. I'm like, he seems like a guy who is small. He's taller than me. He's five foot six. Okay. Um, so he's taller. Tom Cruise is taller than me, believe it or not. Um, yeah. I'm bigger. I'm bigger than Danny DeVito. I think he's probably the only <laughs> person. I think I'm about the same size as Kevin Hart, apparently. <laughs> so, Kevin Hart's so, a man with small man energy. 
Yeah, yeah. But um, I was quite impressed that me and Daniel Radcliffe asked, you know, we could stand on a level and see eye to see eye. eye, to eye. So, so that, that's, that's my, my closure for the show tonight. Let me tell you what else we've got next week. So could... we've, got, we've got Cop Shop, which is out of the cinema. We also have the new horror film from James Wan called Malignant. I'm, do you know what? This looks like another formulaic James Wan horror film, sadly. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So it's mm. out of cinema as well. On Netflix, we have a film called Worth. Which is all about it's like post 9 11. It's for the guy who's got to basically decide how he sort of rep, like sort of compensate people for 9 11 about how you know and how and what they go. And it looks quite dark. It's got Michael yeah. Keaton, is it Michael Keaton's been the lead lawyer in it? So we both love Michael Keaton. Yeah. Um, but that's a dark, that's a dark. Horrible, I think it's from the guys, I don't know if it's, it's, it's not the same director, but it's the same guys who produce Spotlight. Right. So, so and you remember like, Spotlight? Spotlight is a dark, dark film. You're going to come out of this film not feeling good. Yeah, are you? you're going to you're going to come out feeling guilty and horrible and and ashamed of humanity. Yeah, you're going to come yeah. out feeling um, fucking. Um, that's on Netflix, so maybe one have to watch and take I'll break do, from. Yeah. Well, so you said the magic words to me, Michael and Keaton. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, in for it. Yeah. Um, also, in the cinema, we've got is a film called Respect, which is the um, Aretha Franklin biopic. Okay, which. I- I'm, I'm the same as you. I know the song "Respect." Out with that. I, I didn't. I know. I don't know much about Anita Franklin, which is my worry about it. Is my worry about it is much like the Bohemian Rhapsody one. It's made with the blessings of the family who are producers and involved in it, which normally doesn't get you the most accurate or real. You're not, you're not going to get warts and all. You're going to get the, yeah. the Hollywood version. Yeah. 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 Okay. Whereas, like the James Brown one was. You know, allowed to be what's and all, which I was surprised at because I don't know who was involved yeah. in that one, but it was really yeah. good. Um, so that's in the cinema as well. Also on Amazon Prime, if you're brave enough to try it, I think I have to try it this week. It's my wife's birthday and she wants to watch it. Is the Amazon Prime version of Cinderella, which is um, getting negative to say the least reviews. Yeah. So um, we might watch that as well. I have no interest. That I know you Cru- don't. That and Cruella are two films that. No, you like Cruella. Cruella is genuinely enjoyable. I've watched the trailer and I'm just like, I don't get the point in making a trailer no, movie. I just you have, don't understand. You have to watch it. If you watch it as a part of the 101 Dalmatians verse, which is such yeah. a thing, <laughs> it, it, it absolutely does not work. It, it makes right. no sense. It doesn't fit into it. And it, it doesn't play at all. If you watch it as a sort of story of how this woman becomes the woman she is at the end of the film, yeah. It works really well. It is a sort of like sort of really nasty kind of trying to be like sort of a, it's a revenge tale with about redemption and how she sort of refound herself. It actually works really well. Emma Stone and, and Emma Thompson are having an absolute fucking whale of a time. Um, as is the boy that we liked from um, uh, Black Klansman and Richard Jenk, uh, Richard thingy, the one about the bomber, um, kind of, always kind of fat guy, squinty eyes. Yeah, uh, he's um, got weird eyes. He, he plays, he always looks stoned as fuck. He looks stoned yeah. as hell. Yeah. He plays like one of the, the is it Jasper and somebody? That, yeah, the henchman. Yeah, he, yeah, he, the, he plays the one the of them. Hugh Laurie character from the last yes. one. Yes, well, he plays the wee small fat one, obviously, not right. the big tall sure. one. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, but no, it's, it, I liked it more than I thought it would be, but then if you try and make it into a prequel to 101 Dalmatians, does not work at all. Okay, right. but as a film in itself, right? Because it's very punky and it's sort of set in the eighties, so you probably quite like some of the music and stuff like that. It's sort of some of the needle drops are pretty on the nose. But yeah. what, have you, did you did you watch um, I Tonya, the one with Margot Robbie? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, same director. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, kind of. Yeah, kind of get kind of 
almost see. Whereas, definitely, uh, definitely not Cinderella from what I would say. It's definitely a different vibe on it. And I actually, quite, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I'm not going to watch it. There's worse films to watch. Tell me where to find us. Uh, you can find us um, on number three beers in the movie, um, all the usual places. So that's uh, Gmail, Instagram, um, Facebook. We're all we're on all of them. So look us up, give us a listen, let us know what you think. Did you enjoy Shang-Chi? Was the costume come from nowhere? Um, it come how, from nowhere. How, <laughs> how, how funny was Planet of the Apes? That was, that was the funniest <laughs> reference. Uh, let, let us know. It'd be nice to hear from you. That, that's, you know, we do all the talking, so let us know what you think of what we say. Um, I've been Colin, you've been Richard, and we have been Three Beers in a Movie.